You don't know the power of the dark side. Greetings, I'm Scott McGregor, and uh, welcome to the official relaunch of Mindless Drivel here on the Two True Freaks Network. I'd just like to give a brief intro to the theme of the show before we start. Um, first, this will be the second incarnation of Mindless Drivel. Those of you who have listened to the previous shows uh, will know that this podcast was originally designed as a vehicle for me and my girlfriend at the time to discuss a wide variety of nerdy topics. Well, shit happens, doesn't it? <laughs> Things didn't work out. C'est la vie, as they say in one of those countries over yonder there. Yes, I know it's French. I considered scrapping the show altogether, but then I said to myself, Self, you could just keep producing it and now have no imperative to try to make it relatable to the relationship you're in. So I chose to let this evolve into a podcast where I, and hopefully some guests from time to time, uh, could talk about whatever topic we like that isn't covered in, you know, any of my other more specific shows like No Councils for Old Men. I've also wanted a place on the network to just do some kind of experimental audio production work and kind of stream of consciousness recordings that will probably only ever entertain me, Uh, but forewarned is forearmed, so consider this yours. Uh, But moving forward, I have a lot of great places I'd like to take this show, a lot of interesting ideas, at least I think they are, and I hope some of you will decide to come with me. Anywho... One of my recording colleagues, Brian Hughes, who does the Fear the Walking Dead cast with me and has been on all kinds of other stuff with me, uh, messaged me and does a third degree burn, should be said, messaged me about doing a Star Wars themed discussion about our theories on the nature of the Force that we have kind of personally developed from our consumption of all the great uh, various Star Wars properties, you know, from the all the canon movies and Clone Wars and Rebels and books that are no longer canon and the ones that are and anything that we've consumed. Yeah, I thought it was a great idea and um, offered to let it be the inaugural show. Okay, I actually kind of begged for it to be the inaugural show of Mindless Drivel Volume 2. And several others wanted in as well. And tonight I am joined by Chris Tyler, Chris Honeywell, Tim Elliott, Mike Zumo, and of course Brian Hughes. So uh, welcome to Mindless Drivel, the podcast that strives to be about everything and nothing all at once. And since this is your party, uh, Brian, I'm going to kick it right to you, man. Okay, well, going back as far as the original trilogy, of course, you know, most of us walked away from that really thinking that there was just two sides to it all. There was the Jedi and there was the Sith. And then, of course, as we got the the prequel trilogy, we, you know, we, we found out more and more about them. And we actually got little tiny hints of other things. But the one thing that always struck me in uh, the the prequel trilogy was the whole idea of the Chosen One and uh, the the prophecy that he would bring balance to the Force. And uh, I'll get back to that in just a little bit. But moving on, there was, you know, as we saw the Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, still further hints. And in the, the EU, of course, was replete with a lot of different things that you saw. But you didn't know what you could really take in and hold as Star Wars canon. Because, you know, just you, you never knew what they were going to accept as really is canon or not. Now that it's kind of wiped away and they're just picking, you know, cherry picking what they want for Star Wars canon, you, you don't even know what they're going to use now. But when The Force Awakens came out, we definitely saw the true signs that 
there are other disciplines out there aside from the Jedi and the Sith and how they use the Force. Definitely the way that Kylo Ren, one of the Knights of Ren, used the Force in doing things like stopping blaster fire or reading somebody's mind in his interrogation showed that there are a lot more you know, disciplines and ways of using the Force than what we had seen previously. And I just kind of wanted to open the door and see what, what the rest of you guys thought in regards to all that. And if you had any knowledge of other ones from the EU, or if there's anything else you've seen or heard uh, or played in any of the various role-playing games or other Star Wars games that uh, would kind of open up and maybe give us more information. Because while I've seen the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, I haven't seen every one of them. So I've missed a lot of little bits here and there, probably, that would you know give me more, more information on that. So, with that being said, who here wants to jump in first? Oh, boy. It's such a broad topic. Uh, well, I remember the press You're release. You're a broad topic. Yeah, yes, I, my favorite topic is broads. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, I should probably introduce myself. This is uh, Hey, Metal Hero. Um, hey, Hero. Hi. You know that. Uh, yeah. I, I remember the press release stuff when Phantom Menace was getting ready to roll out. And a lot of it was explicitly stating that Qui-Gon Jinn saw the Force as a shade of gray. So it was already going back to, to that stuff. So that's the st- stuff that sticks out the most readily in my mind. Uh, I don't know how true that was by the time they showed it was actually filmed. He was clearly on the the light side. I mean, the Jedi Council can say what they want about him, but he was never actively pursuing evil or trying to do anything for his own benefit. Um, and I know that there's other stuff from... The old expanded universe, and I think it's about the time that I bowed out where they were introducing, um, oh god, I don't remember, stuff like um, Luke Fine and his mother, it was weird stuff, they had this thing called the white, I don't know, it was weird, that's when I bounced out, and I could be completely wrong on that and misremembering it, and the Clone Wars cartoons also had the Knight uh, sisters, um, who peddled in a form of force use and wasn't Jedi or Sith. So that's, that's definitely like the biggest, I think, like deviation in Clone Wars. Like that was the biggest. Like, oh, that's a odd angle on the Force. Is that where so, yeah, and even is that where Saj Ventress came from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, the other people on the the planet were the um, the Darth Maul looking people, the um, right. the Zabrax or whatever they were. Um, they were also on the planet. Uh, so it's, I mean, I guess there's people that can tap into the force, but they're not necessarily, or they're force sensitive or force attuned, but they're not a Jedi or a Sith. So I guess it's always been kind of a part of it. Um, and, and even on Rebels most recently, they had the, uh, the big giant animal creature that was voiced Bendu. by the fourth doctor, yeah. the Bendu, yeah. who yeah, the Tom clearly guy. stated that he exists in between the light and the dark. So... Uh, he is the balance of the Force, essentially, is what he said. Uh, so it's definitely something that they've played with. And it, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Of, I mean, you know, having black hats and white, white hats in the movies is great. But if you're going to make it a, a topic of discussion and be able to play around with it, you can't just kind of look at it at that binary sort of system. You're going to, you know, kind of poke around. And, and even Ahsoka now, she's not a part of the Jedi anymore, but she's still fighting the good fight. But. Right, even though she's not part of the Jedi, she's still trained as one. She's still trained as one, but she's, you know, you really can't call her a Jedi anymore no. after she abandons the Jedi Order. So what is she then? Is she well, yeah, but where's the Jedi Order now? 
Where's yeah. your Jedi Order now? Dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the Jedi Order is sort of... That's, um... That's what we were talking about. Chris Honeywell here, the other Chris. Uh, mm. Um, there, it, there's definitely, I think, like, when George Lucas came up with the Force, it obviously was just sort of a mishmash of New Agey stuff, e- Eastern religion, some Western, you know, just whatever he, like, thought, felt, worked good, and probably meant to be fairly mysterious, but the problem is when you keep when you have some sort of mysterious element and you keep making movies, you're gonna always fight it not becoming mysterious because you're gonna add more details or you're gonna find out things that end up being disappointing that you rather to your imagination. Yeah. And I think the first, I think like a lot of people felt that way about the midichlorians in episode one. Yeah. But now. Now, I love the midichlorians. I think it was a great idea. I think he was opening up all his options on on the Force, and he knew that there were going to be people doing TV shows and stuff, so he was opening up a physical aspect of it to go along with the spiritual aspect so you could sort of go in whatever direction was convenient for you, you know? Which, in something like Star Wars, I'm fine with that, you know, as, as long as it's fun. But, you know, you can still, there's still plenty of meat to actually seriously, like, work on all the stuff. And I mostly do from the movies, for the most part. I'm just finishing the comic to the, like, Heir to the Empire, Timothy Zahn trilogy. And uh, so I picked up some of the Force stuff from that. But I don't know much about the stuff in the EU, but Clone Wars and Rebels I'm I'm up on, and, and Force Awakens, and... You know, since the, the the prequels, they really have taken the, the the whole balance of the force thing is what I'm most focused on. Is what the hell does it mean to have balance in the force? Because if the, if the if the Jedi win, that's not a balance. Right. If they wipe out the Sith, Sith, that's that's an imbalance. And if the Sith wipe out, wipe out the Jedi, so is it always supposed? Is the war aspect of it supposed to be? Are there always supposed to be a certain number of Jedi and Sith to fight it out? Well, that's that's a question that I had all along. At the end of the Phantom Menace, you know, Yoda's talking about the Sith, and you know, he says, "Always two, there are one fan, one master, one apprentice." And does he mean just you know, there's only two Sith at all, or is he saying you know, in that collection of Sith, like there could be a bunch of Sith, but they're all just two of them at a time? And they're all paired up. Yeah. Well, that because back in the official hierarchy, too, though, that was the uh, the original creators of the Sith decided it was too dangerous to have a bunch of people running around because they'd be killing each other, right? Stabbing but, yeah, each other but, in the back. Yeah. yeah. But I and I think the I think the Emperor definitely in the prequel age kept all his he he had more I mean he had Maul he had Dooku mm-hmm. he had Ventress and. You know, probably any number of other ones in the EU that he all probably just kept spread apart, you know, and unaware of each other, and and was like, well, we'll see which one of these guys works out, or you know, yeah. or they were all patsies because he was waiting. You groom an Anakin for for Sithdom, and the other guys were just convenient stooges to do his dirty work. Well, maybe they're like terrorist cells. They don't know of each other's existence, but they're yeah, all out there. they're all there thinking, you, you know, I'm on the, I'm on my way to being one of the two, you know, being the apprentice, and 
and all that, and that motivates him to do his dirty work. And all the while, he's just he knows that he's either going to let them or maneuver them into being killed by Jedi or, you know, outright just betray them at some point. You know, for for Anakin, but Personally, maybe they're all, maybe they're a good backup plan for if Anakin doesn't work out. I think that's well, has, has anybody together. here read the uh, Darth Vader comic? No. Like the first six issues. Okay, well that I, I'm, that, I'm, that was one of the plot great. lines that the Emperor kind of had was training others behind Vader's back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the event that he was taken out or needed to be or needed to be taken out, he always made sure he had fallback plans in case Vader failed. And that was the plot of the, the um, Force Unleashed games, was Vader having his secret apprentice right, to take out right. the Emperor. I, maybe that's just more of a nature of the dark side. The, the nature of the, or maybe the nature of the Sith. I kind of, yeah. after the prequels, I kind of looked at the whole, there are only two role as almost Sith propaganda that was, you know, that the Jedi bought. And so maybe they got a little complacent and well, the, that was ultimately kind of their downfall. They had like the Sith Lord sitting right in their freaking midst. So pre- prequel era, we saw that the Jedi were not the most accurate. <laughs> at, <laughs> no, you no. know, they were, they might not have been really that attuned to the force. It by wasn't that in point. their library. It didn't exist. So, well, oh God, I hate that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. but in, in attack of the clones, the librarian. In Attack of the Clones, they did say that the dark side had clouded their ability to to see through the Force a, a great many things because Palpatine was sitting there doing basically the giant smoke cloud there in Coruscant. Yeah. Right, but, but wasn't think, Pal- wasn't Palpatine doing the one doing the clouding? Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. If the fo- so Palpatine is manipulating the Force. You see, the Force is just well, an energy field. Wait, wait a second. If wait a second. Wait a second. I, I need to go back on that. There was nothing. Anywhere that said that Palpatine himself was actually doing it, it just seemed logical that he was doing it. And and I say this because I, I'd listened to a podcast that Michael Bailey had done not too long ago, where he was discussing bits and pieces of this. And the the question that had been posed uh, posed there was, what if it was the will of the living force itself, as Qui Gon Jinn would put it, the will of the living force, as if the force itself has its own motivations. But what, what if, if it doesn't? Yeah, but but the thing is, it would have been the will of the living force to cloud the Jedi because they had become so mired in whatever it is that they're they're actually doing, yeah. rather than, rather than being you know there for right and be there for justice or the the side right, of the light. Agree, but I never got the sense that anybody other than Qui Gon believed in the living force. He was really the only one who ever invoked it. And that is why the count, that is why he fought the council so often. Look, here's the thing. So there's this prophecy, right, that the chosen one's going to come and bring balance to the force. So here's this boy, right? Looks like he's the one from the prophecy created by the force itself. So let's train him. And the Jedi count masters are saying, uh, no. There's a reason right. why page, they say page fifty four of the bylaws says he's yeah. too old. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, even well, I, Palpatine says it, the dogmatic teachings of the Jedi, they've gotten so stuck behind their own bureaucracy, which right. so, which so so many of them are opposed to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> a lot of the prequels uh, the, the prequels were about the if the force is acting as a conscious or cyclical or try, you know trying to balance itself in some in either a conscious or just sort of whatever cosmic mechanical way that you have the you have the Jedi by that point as this huge organization 
that's sort of embedded, and it's not like they're horribly evil, but they're start. You know, they're 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 you're able to get them to do evil. They're, I mean, the whole moral dilemma of the clones is is yeah. an amazing thing for right. Jedi's to do, who are supposed to respect all life and and all that. So you know, maybe the, the I I like to think that the prequels were like the Force's way of getting rid of the Jedi, and then the sec- and then the original trilogy was the Force's way of cleaning up afterwards. You know, yeah, yeah. Right. it's agents of of destruction for the Jedi, and what what was left over Jedi style were more Qui Gon. Obi-Wan, I mean, Obi-Wan is, and Yoda were sort of ground zero for, for you know, the their influence. And, well, you know, Qui-Gon's going to be a big influence on Obi-Wan. So I think Luke got a more living... I think Luke was forced in just the way he learned, it, so to speak. But he also uh, rejects things at certain times, too. and Because you kind of see Obi-Wan falling into the... We need to kind of lie about what's going on here. Yeah, Yoda and Obi Wan were still acting like the Jedi Council a little bit, yeah. sort of knee jerkingly, like we we need to sort of manipulate the situation with this this these Skywalker kids here. And, and I mean, essentially, Luke just sort of sort of went against all of that and ended up fixing up everything. Yeah. So it was almost like a refutation by that point. Beyond the grave. My high school term paper was about all that. Oh man! Really? Yeah, it was. uh, Luke had to break away from the the dogmatic traditions of the Jedi in order to affect change for the Force itself and for the galaxy. Well, let me the the one thing Yoda kept drilling into Luke was that once you go down the way of the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny. He proved that wrong by turning Vader back to the light side. If if Vader actually turned to the light side, I'd, I I'm ne- I'm never a hundred percent sure of that. He might have he might have killed off the Emperor just out of sheer selfish. I don't want to see spite. my kid die. It was spite. You know, it, it was spite. Yeah, 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 and I, and kill I, your and father. Kill dead. your father and take your place at my side. Right. And and by that point, yeah, and by that point, he was like and starting to think about how he got manipulated into being Darth Vader and. And chucked him off, which doesn't, you know, he didn't have to become a good guy to do all of that. He could have, as a matter of fact, he could have gotten even darker and darker. He could have been replacing yeah, then the Emperor, you know. Settlered and right. still uh, looking for Luke to rule the galaxy with him. And he was yeah. just like, oh, shit, now I'm dying. So let's I mean, see how he tried his suit. Gamorian guards. That's not something we ever saw a light sider do in the prequels no. or in the original. Anytime. Trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and it's he's just like no compunction about it. It's just I got to get through here, <laughs> dead. But did yes. he kill him or did he just choke him to unconsciousness? Yeah, uh, he just oof. he just forced them out of the way. But, but what <laughs> forced you, their life out of the way. What you're talking about though, in Luke eschewing, you know, the dogmatic training of the Jedi, and and you know the thing is is that, is that being in the, being the Jedi, you're sitting there going, okay, well you've got. This force power, this force power, this force power, this force power, and these are the ones that you use. And you don't use the lightning. You don't use this. You don't use that. Right. Ray comes in, and she is total instinct. Nothing yeah. but just following the instincts. And basically, she's following the will 
of the living force. And so therefore, it is working for her in every situation as she needed. That's not to say she's the Mary Sue that everybody says she was because she's doing, you know, what the what the force is telling her to do or wanting yeah, her to do. She's being carried on the tides of fate. Right. And it's so, out of self-preservation. But, it's right. desperation. Right. Right. Most yeah, but it's something light or dark. It's about why you've done it, not exactly, not specifically what you've done, but why you've done it. But if, if we're to assume, if the force is doing anything to her in that movie, it's putting her in situations that are forcing her to manifest her her force powers that I'm sure she knew she had. I, well, if, I think that remains to be seen, but I'm sure she's had dreams and we- weird things where maybe she's gotten her own way with somebody and be like, "Why did they change their mind?" Right. You know, I'm sure she reflexively did some stuff. Let me jump well, in on this real quick, guys. I've got while well, these thoughts are still coffeeed up and in my head. Um, I, I kind of see, and I'll talk about one of the video games, Jedi Academy, I think it was, or that whole run after the first couple Dark Forces, you know, had it that you could learn dark side powers and light side powers. Mm-hmm. And kind of the running storyline was that it, you know, ends up, you're, you know, you're not pigeonholed in light or dark, you know, it's however you use it. And I think maybe this is giving Lucas too much credit, but I, after the prequels, I got the whole sense that basically both the Jedi Order and the Sith, their downfall is the dogmatic, you know, problems. And I think that it's, I think you're, the Force is supposed to be the best, you know, all I ever needed to know about the Force I learned in A New Hope with Obi-Wan's one little simple speech of it. Now the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us it binds the galaxy together and uh, i just got thinking about this that given how much joseph campbell that uh, lucas tapped you know for the whole saga basically you know hero with a thousand faces and all that good stuff um campbell was always about the fact of that there is you know so many gods that there is no such thing as a personal god that it's if there is a god that it's this neutral energy you know, cosmic thing that we can never possibly comprehend. Um, and I think the Force is supposed to be like that. And, like, I think the Force Awakens is starting to move us to that point where it's like it doesn't, you know, you put yourself in these these little hier- hierarchies of the Sith and the Jedi Order, and as you said, they, they start changing the rules to suit them just like regular religions and right. start omitting some things. And there's hidden knowledge that the people can't handle. You know, only us priests can can know this and, and stuff like that. So I think it's an indictment of organized religion in general in Star Wars. At least that's the way I take it. And that you're supposed to move more to this kind of Buddhist center, you know, that just kind of shit happens and, you know, you'll deal with it according to your own nature, but not what anybody tells you you should do. And it, it's supposed to boil it down to more pure instinct. And that's why Ray, I think they're, you know, gonna essentially tell us that, that the will of the force is just the pure force. It's just it is the complete instinct. It is just going with the flow of the universe. That once you start chopping it up into these little groups, sure people are gonna still do good and still do evil, but that's not I think, you know, the various races have, you know, hijacked the force and put it into well, these little boxes. Right. That's interesting because then that if that's what her angle is going to be, then that's going to be a refutation of 
Snoke having a group of soldiers, a, you know, the Knights of Ren, and mm-hmm. that's going to be a, a group with a hierarchy, obviously, as well. So, Aren't the Knights of Ren just another religion? Uh, and, and are they even all force wielders? We don't know that yet either. I mean, that's the thing. Um, and I'm wondering if Luke's going to end up coming to this, you know, realization, or maybe he did, and that's why he walked away from his students. And that, like, we just need to let people learn their shit on their own or come well, to it themselves. There's certain basic things you can train somebody with, I guess. But once you start putting personal philosophies into people's heads, the force gets corrupted. Yeah, but it's almost impossible to not <laughs> – if you're going to put the force in, it's almost impossible to have somebody completely separate themselves from their own yeah. well, point of view. Right. And, That's and, our human and failing corrupt. too. Right, right. <laughs> I I was wondering today when I was thinking about this, wouldn't the, the end goal of the force, if it was reaching balance, you know, a harmonic balance, wouldn't it want to – wouldn't that – balance be better if you if you eventually like you obviously there's this cyclic thing going on yeah. with the forces of good and evil and it's like it happens it's the sort of the same thing happening over and over again you can get in all of the george lucas ring theory and all that but it, it's happening over and over with variations every time but you you would think that every time the variation would take you farther and farther away from actually having Jedi and Sith. It's like if you have Jedi and Sith, you have these... The Jedi, by, by their nature and their philosophy, they're concentrated... Concentrated evil, don't touch it! <laughs> you know, they are, they are concentrated light side of the Force, concentrated dark side of the Force. So if you're going to have those concentrations of it, you're going to have this sort of the imbalance of it is not spread out. It, you, you, am I making any sense? It's sort of yeah. concentrated in this area of Jedi and Sith yeah, who, always, think, who right. are always going to have to fight each other because they're opposites. So that's just mucking up. Having that much concentrated good and evil sort of mucks up the universe. It's better to sort of spread it around. Well, yeah, I think you know, the only while a safe falls on your grandma's head, and but, right, it's like you, each side is pulling at it for, from the opposite direction. But you, now, the, the thing is, you're making the wrong distinction there when you're saying that the Jedi are good and the Sith are evil, because there you can be Sith, let your emotions rule you, and still do the right thing. Yeah, if your emotions are. Well, that's the thing. Dooku never lies. No. To Obi Wan, when he has him captured, he's telling him the truth. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, just coming back to the. But that's also an example of lying by telling the truth. You know, he was being deceptive the the whole way. You know, he was telling him the truth because he didn't want Obi. He was thinking Obi Wan would be like, I don't believe you. (laughs) Right, but he wasn't telling him his own affiliation, though. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's true. He wasn't telling Uh, Obi Wan that he was right. Right, the lie of omission, which the Jedi do freely too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, Luke is often. They're masters of it. Have you guys gotten to the Clone Wars episode where uh, a wormhole opens up and Anakin and Ahsoka get sucked into it and they actually meet like the embodiment of the Force? No. (laughs) No, I remember that. So that's another episode where... I remember watching that years ago, yes, but... They definitely go into that and it's... I mean, they're anthropomorphized as a father with his son and daughter and they're both tearing at each other. So it's... I, but wouldn't I, wouldn't that be like that? That sort of sounds like um, contact. 
where when you when yeah. you know what you bring your own that you know you Anakin and and Ahsoka were bringing their own you know backgrounds and hang-ups man into their yeah, yeah we're showing this course. to you in the only way you can comprehend no, it no i don't the way your, your mind works i have to I, and then once again i don't think actually now that i'm thinking about it, i don't think i've seen it so i really don't really just uh, yeah i mean that opens up a whole other can of worms and then yoda actually encountering the force at the, in the last the couple episodes end, yeah. of the clone wars is also rather interesting as well. So it's, I mean, there's definitely more stuff that they did definitely poke around in the nature of the Force discussion in the Clone Wars quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, if we read the Force as, as Chris said, as, a, as an entity that manipulates life, do we consider that it creates Jedi or more creates those that are more susceptible for light? and dark to create that conflict because the conflict itself is what keeps itself going. It was what generates the energy that keeps itself in existence. What about this? The midichlorians are little bastards. Yeah. Who create <laughs> the Jedi, the Jedi and the Sith because they're in their bodies and they're like, Oh, the, and the midichlorians, and the force is actually, yeah, the force is actually at war with the midichlorians. That's who it well, gets. The actually, that's who we have to get rid of. More sensitivity. I think that well, that's what I think. I think the more midichlorians you have, it, only certain people have midichlorians, and then the the you know the concentration of them you have in your blood is. Has it been and, uh, has it been revealed that the midichlorians are actually, you know, part of the force, or are they just moths to the flame of the force? That's what or I'm they, saying. Or are they, they just like the force users? Well, I got to kind of believe they were. Yeah. Agents of the Force whispering yeah. the will of the Force. Well, if, if does that all right, so the whole uh, the Force will have a strong influence on the weak minded? Does that mean somebody who's weak minded has a lower midichlorian count? And does that mean that w- Watto had a massive midichlorian count? No, because no, no. I think Watto just had. I, I, th- I was, you know, it was funny, Hero. I was thinking about that exact. I think most people have no midichlorians. Right. But I always thought Watto was saying, oh, my race is like a race that's that just the force doesn't work on. You know, we're, we don't work on the huts either. Right. I don't. But I don't yeah. believe that. I think he's just saying, like, uh, my race, you know, we're very we're you know, one of our traits is we're very determined because well, I think if, it, if the force is using a form of telepathy, maybe their minds are, are like he said, immune to it. Maybe they're, right, they're, you know, I yeah, mean, there's there's some like. people who are, there are some people who are more malleable than other people, and that I think that's basically what Obi Wan was saying. If you, you know, there's some people that are just more suggestible than others, and I think maybe Obi Wan was saying when you reach a certain level of suggestibility, you know, you can be manipulated by a Jedi. But I think what Watto was saying was like. Ah, you know, our people aren't dummies. We're raised to be stubborn assholes. Well, maybe it's, you're. Uh, you're, you're not who we've seen that work on. on me. Think of who we've seen that work on: Gungans, stormtroopers, yeah, Bib Fortuna, basically foot soldiers, people who work for other entities. Well, it, it actually it worked on Boss Nass, who was a. Well, he was a gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peter the Gungan. 
But maybe but, it's you can't bullshit a bullshitter because, you know, Waddle's essentially a used car salesman. Right, but, right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's like if your brain's already in that mode where you're used to manipulating people. Well, it's, you can't, it, it's going to be it, harder to manipulate. Right. It, it could be the equivalent of Watto going, what, do you think you're going to outdrink an Irishman? Come on. Something to that effect, yeah. And Waddle knew exactly what he was doing, too. Now, the, that brings me to another question is since – you can use the force to manipulate inanimate objects. Does that mean that there are midichlorians surrounding these inanimate objects? Are they a constant presence in microscopic quantities all around? No, That's, I don't think they need the midichlorians guess. to act. They need the midichlorians in them, but they don't need them in something to act on them. I think right. once they got them, they're telekinetic, basically, you know? You're, you're tapping into some type of whatever the force is, this energy field, and right. you're manipulating it like, like think of Harry Potter. Some of those exactly. people are... are uh, sensitive to whatever the magic force is in the Harry Potter world, that they can manipulate this energy. I think it's the same way with the force. They can, some are more sensitive to it. What I don't like about the midichlorians is that once you kind of quantify it, couldn't you inject midichlorians into somebody? I mean, just like uh, Plato's stepchildren, uh -huh. Star Trek. Why oh, yeah. couldn't you just actually, concentrate it in you? Actually, Hope, Hope it, and it, I were watching um, episode three and we're like, hey, wouldn't Amidala be starting to get some maybe some force powers because she's got twins that are sharing their blood, their midichlorian rich yeah. blood yeah. with her? You know, they would be pumping the same blood, so she sh would be technically like at least half Jedi or weak Jedi, well, right? There's nothing that said that she didn't already have a high midichlorian count. There's nothing that said and that she wasn't. A force sensitive, and that's what made her as good a politician or as good a shot as she was. You know, I, I wish Hope wasn't working tonight because she read an EU novel where a clone had what became force sensitive because he got a trans transfusion. Ooh, well, that, that was actually a, a question I had going back a long way. Uh, I'd always thought that the Clone Wars was going to be more of, of, of Jedi's fighting clones of Jedi's because what would it make more sense yes. to, to clone a regular human or a Jedi if the Jedi run strongly in the genes the force runs strong in the genes then clone the Jedi heck get, yeah. get as many of those as you can <laughs> but for some reason they didn't do that I mean it, it made sense Obi-Wan Obi-Wan you know, I, I just thought, well, is that a clone designation uh, or what? You know, but oh my god, like out of TH and like a, almost a weird tangential reference to THX eleven thirty eight. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and, and and so when the prequel trilogy came out and we saw you know what the clones were, I was just kind of I was let down. I thought, no, that would make sense. Well, maybe so when you clone one of these guys, the midichlorians don't flock because it was like a vhs tape a copy of a right. copy and it starts to degrade <laughs> yeah. well that, that's a possibility also but i, I just think that it's it, that it just doesn't appear on a clone oh no well versed in the eu stuff but there's nowhere in any of it that some sith mad scientist was trying to pump out dark jedi or anything well air of the empire had a clone of a had a clone of a former jedi master that, that's right yeah and, and he and he had uh he had force powers yeah what I love about Air to the, I like the introduction. The prequels. I know it's not canon anymore, but I like the uh, plot device in that that they that Thrawn was looking for these animals that suppress the Force. Oh, yes, Salamary. Yeah. yeah. And that you know that I don't 
I don't know if they've dealt with that. And I didn't the other like ones, those. But. Those seem too much like a plot de- device to me to like be like, all right, so we've got a new guy, but he's not Darth Vader, the Emperor, and he's not a uh, Sith. So how is he going to possibly, you know, stand yeah, up? Yeah, but at Jedi? the time so it they, was almost they a had to come one. Yeah. up with something that neutralized it just to it's make like it Jedi uh, Kryptonite. Steel, right, exactly. Like just a Raygun well, or a crystal. Well, I mean, really, all you need is you know just get them on a space transport and have that midichlorian detector set on high. Hey, there's a bunch of guys in there with high midichlorian count. Blow up that transport; they're all dead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it opened up some problems. Yeah. the kind of sensors that they have in Star Wars. Just a little bit of a tangent here, but. Are all over the place. What they can and can't sense. Yeah, because it's and, it's and, science fantasy. It's not the science fiction. Right. So it's com- always convenient to the story. Sometimes they're just like, oh yeah, there's five people, or you know, in this spaceship coming towards us, and blah blah blah. And other times they're just like, yeah, we have no, you know. Yeah, but we can't tell that moon-sized space station is a space station until we're up on top of it. (laughs) And the same with, like, communication and everything. Everything is just all sort of plot-oriented, so it's hard to... The only time we saw a test for midichlorians was after a blood sample was actually looked at. But how are they finding all the four senses? I guess they're walking down the street going, ah, here's one here, here's a six-year-old. Well, I guess, I, when the, sure. I guess when the kid goes to its uh, annual appointment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always picture, like, Yoda being sort of like a Force type of Cerebro, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah, and like, I, I bet you that there's, Je- or there's Jedi who that's their specialty is, like, they go into a trance and they go, oh, I see a child on planet, you know, the third moon of this planet, and there's yeah, somebody carrying a child on this planet. Because once you're with the Force, you know time and space. It's it's pretty well. There's much- thousands of Jedi, so you got to figure they're stationed all across the galaxy. If yeah. you're on, I yeah. mean, if you're that Force sensitive, if you're a Jedi Knight, and you're on a planet, and you hear a, feel a little tremor from some child with the Force, you're going to be able to seek them right out. Yeah, they had a registry in one of the Clone Wars episodes that got stolen, or yeah, and yet they missed that you know, younglings that haven't been mind's harvested eye. yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was just saying they missed that bartender in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Was she a bartender? Oh, God. No, she was just the old witch fortune teller around the village. Yeah, that's right. That's old right. Hala. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't t- seemed to be very uh, force sensitive. I mean, she could, like I said, she could do little parlor tricks with. She the, knew parlor tricks and the she sliver knew, that like, she had. So does that mean the force is like a muscle? Do you actually have to train it and exercise it to be able to get the full effect of it? Because it seems like when they encounter somebody that's force sensitive, yeah, they might have a little extra luck or something, but they they can't do right. What Luke had to learn what he was doing with it. They they have to take a. There's a point where it's taken out of latency or where it started to you know where you know. I mean, Luke was just sort of. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's been EU stuff in, com- like, Dark Horse comics and stuff of lo- young Luke Skywalker having flashes of the Force, and I'm sure that's the same like we were talking about with Ray. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, you know, I'll bet you it becomes latent until you start training it, you know? Just like a, ki- a kid who's an acrobat could probably climb a tree, but they're not going to end up working the... the parallel bars on their own without somebody there right. to train them right. and walk them through the method of the, the discipline of doing it. You know? The talent is there, but you still need 
some kind of training to make the most out of it. And you got to recognize there, there, I it mean, too. I mean, there, there definitely seems to be a philosophical side of the, you know, the touchy feely side of the pokey squealy t- side of the force, and the the like bear like mechanical side of the force where you can, and I think. I, I remember my my good friend Mark Martin and I when we saw the prequels when they first came out our our discussion that would annoy all our friends was that the Jedi had become too mechanical with the Force they thought they'd worked it out too much to a plan where we have rules we do this we don't do that there's this there's that and uh, you know this is how we work it and they'd worked themselves into this insane level. It leveled up to the point of where they're, you know, they're parkouring 500 feet down into the, you know, into the battle and, you know, holding up starships with, you know, two or three Jedi holding up whole starships with the force and taking down ceilings. And uh, they reached this like level of technical expertise with the force and they were losing touch completely with the philosophical aspects of it outside dogma. Well, that may be the force. Correcting itself, maybe the yeah, Jedi have become too. Like, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, guys, you're 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 done. You know, you're right. And it could too. be the so-called chosen one was the Force's way to kind of cleanse the palate and set things right. And then the Force yep. awakens again. Well, probably I would think that the 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 manip- not the manipulation of the Force, but the sensitivity to the Force and the use of the Force would evolve over time. It would change, constantly changing. And it seemed like the Jedi, as Chris said. Nope, this is how we do it. You know, we, we wrote the book on it. This is how you do it. And they're very dogmatic. They're very they're very uh, stubborn. They're very blinded to, to things have to change and evolve over, over time. And maybe that's the force correcting that mistake by right. allowing the dark side to come up to create that and, conflict. They said to kind of clear the, you know, kind of cleanse, cleanse the palate. And be, being that way gave Palpatine all different angles to exploit their weaknesses and their their blind their blind spots you know he he sat there and studied their blind spots and then took full advantage of it you know and when when they were saying you know the dark side cloud sings i always had the i've always had the feeling that yoda really knew what was going to happen but he was like i'm gonna wait this out and see it through but you know he pretty much knew the jedi order was coming going down and he was like i'm gonna sit and see if i can damage control and what i can do about it but you know when the point came that (laughs) palpatine was flinging you know council ufos at him in the council (laughs) chamber he was just like okay i'm done yep that's it right he immediately decided to put all his eggs in the loot basket yep get out of here it's done So what what do you think would have happened if the battle droids were able to kill Anna, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on the Federation gunship at the beginning of Phantom Menace? How does Star the Star Wars, Wars galaxy play out? Hmm. Because oh. the only reason they're even aware of any sort of disturbance is because they encounter Darth Maul, and yeah. then they get the sense of something darker out there, and obviously Anakin would never have been brought to Coruscant. So... I, I guess then uh, they need to rewrite the prophecies and and Palpatine well, wins a lot sooner. <laughs> well, you also have you also have in episode three. It's fun. I just I just did commentaries for December for with all three um, prequel movies with Hope Mullinex 
doing them sort of in a Clone Wars. And she hasn't watched them since they first came out when she was a little nice. kid. So we just watched episode three, and she didn't remember the whole scene at the at the opera or whatever mm. it is. Oh, at the wow. giant giant sperm genetic scene <laughs> where Palpatine, yeah. you know, pretty much not just comes out and admits to being a Sith, but kind of hints that he might have created Anakin. Yeah. yeah. You know? I see, I never got that. Oh, it, I never I got get that. It at I, first, I, but then when I when I heard about it and watched that scene again, it just like it click it clickety clickety click, especially I, with the big egg in front of them with the sperm jumping in it. <laughs> I just thought of that as more dark yeah. side manipulation. Palpatine is at that point he's telling Anakin everything that he wants to hear. Yeah, the, well, that, obviously the midichlorians also... could influence life. Right, and he's. Well, we don't know that Palpatine's lying yeah. either. But once again, you manipulate him with the truth while leaving out the important parts. But giving giving him his at that point, Palpatine was. He was really putting off – his whole plan was right, coming right there and hinging on, do I turn this kid? Here's my point where I either turn him or, you know, within a few hours after this, he's going to take my head off. But, you know, yeah. I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I got it down. Yeah. But I think he was pretty much saying that he and Darth Plagueis discovered how to make life, and that would yeah. explain why yeah. there was no father. So – you know, maybe Either that or the living force in, is a rapey Zeus type character. You know, you know, know. I mean, <laughs> again, that, yeah, that's another question. Or was that just the will of the force that there needed to be this if, external if, agent created? If Palpatine created him and knew he was on Tatooine, and and sent Obi Wan, you know, it would Obi Wan and Anakin would have been a big damper on his plans, but all, he would have just had to reconfigure. And be like, ah, either we don't have somebody discover Anakin and bring him here, or we'll find some excuse to do him. But the next thing he would have had to maneuver would have been, um, oh, what, what, what was the next step in his plan? I'm talking myself into a corner. God damn it. <laughs> Tangenting myself to death. But. Well, if you're you going to influence he, life, you think you would have influenced it on Naboo, of course, it, where you knew you were going right, to be. Right. That's, the, I, the, I, no, that's too no. much of a buy for me. I, I well, know it, no, no, you the put him out thing, in the outer reaches so they don't find him. Right. So I mean, he doesn't the get betrayed. Right. Hung up on the whole, we got right. Swigon says in episode one, if he was born in the Republic, they would have identified him. Right, because they he's need just him sort of stashed. Develop- he's just sort of stashed away there waiting for, you know, somebody to get sent out. And if he doesn't get brought back to Coruscant where Palpatine can get him, He'll just send somebody out eventually on another excuse, and then the next thing he has to do is have somebody discover the clones. When they're not hung up on the whole "we got to start them young" thing, because the dark side is quicker and easier, and you know, path to power. You know. Yeah, and, and, and so they, he just was probably letting Anakin cook for a little longer, and you know, he figured we'll go get him when we need him. Well, well what was what was Darth Maul's plan when he attacked when they're leaving Tatooine that? If he was he planning to kill Obi Wan and Qui Gon and take Anakin and then take I think him he back was to Coruscant? kill everybody. He was gonna kill. You think he was gonna kill Anakin? I think too? he was there to kill everybody. Maybe I, only. I think, I think Anakin getting dropped into the Emperor's lap was just a fortuitous stroke of luck. Whether it, that was it, the it will was, of the Force or not, or you Maul can knew see that, that would be his his pink slip. <laughs> and then right. he's like, "I'm not gonna go get my replacement. Fuck you." Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I just that's too much of a. I don't know. I can't see that. I think that would be too important to not have 
actually hit on the head definitively. It's way too ambiguous. I, I think the Emperor told Maul to go there and kill kill all of them, knowing that he wouldn't kill all of them, but you know, he wanted the Jedi to see Darth Maul. And that was his red herring of like they're like, Oh, we saw a Sith, you know. And uh so you know, I, I don't know how much Palpatine was actually seeing into the future or just intuiting into the future. Maul but, was there to bring the queen back to Naboo. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. I think he would have killed everybody else out. You're, you're right. absolutely correct. He definitely would have killed the Jedi and oh, yeah. little little kids, like, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. As we know, the dark the dark siders will kill, kid, kill well, kids. You know, I have my theory that... that, that um, desert planets are a place where Jedi or Sith or whatever, where you hide out somebody with a high midichlorian count from maybe being detected by other Force-sensitive people. Because right they say, you know, a Force is made of an energy field of all living things. Yeah. So when you have a desert, uh, a barren planet, it might have less... You know, conductivity to the force. Well, then wouldn't something with the force stick stick out like a beacon, though? Be like, hey, here I am. It would, would, but it might also dampen the powers of the person that's there a little bit and keep them latent. You know, I think Force Awakens starts to prove that. I think that's the direction they're going to move in. The the more she got off planet, the more the force started really like. So, like cutting Superman off from the sun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, although to be fair, well, you'd still be surrounded by life. I was saying it's like, well, how do they function on like, you know, so well on like a Death Star or Star Destroyer, but you're still surrounded by living people, other other they... other beings. And although droid ships might be another. I mean, they made a big deal of when they got to when they got to Maz Kanata's planet, of her just being like, look at all these plants and trees, yeah, which. Yeah. From a desert planet, yes, you would think that too, but she was probably feeling... Yeah, but it was the look that Han gave her when she said that that kind yeah. of drove home your theory, uh, to me at least. Well, it's like when... But he knew, uh, he, I think he was involved in, in stashing her there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that I agree with that. When Luke's landing on Dagobah, he talks about how there's a massive life form ratings. I'm right. sure he's talking about it's just a wild planet, but maybe that's why... I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that's not Yoda's native planet, correct? Mm, no, no, we don't no. know where his native planet is. But he hid out there. Well, I think that uh, that's the counter to the argument about hiding someone on a desert planet. You hide somebody on a frog, planet that's though. full of life. Well, right, but he was also right it? next to that dark side tree. Yeah, yeah which <laughs> might have clouded. Yeah, which might have kept him like shaded from being detected. Yeah, I've I've thought of that too. That's part of the last season of Clone Wars as well. Is him going into is Yoda going into the cave? Oh, really? Yeah, oh yeah. And that's also a part of the Force Unleashed games. You actually, the the Star Killer Apprentice goes to to Dagobah Ooh. and encounters Yoda. And yeah, don't make me buy another video game. <laughs> it's on. You can get it on Steam for like nine bucks. It's yeah. worth shut it. up. Shut up. No, la, 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 la. Do it for the PC. Mm. Well, it's a fun, it's a fun game. That's a great game where you get to play with the nature of the force. Where you're ripping a star destroyer out of the atmosphere, crushing it. Oh yeah. Do you think that as we go on into the next couple of movies, uh, probably not with uh, Rogue One, but as we go into the the Star Wars proper movies, are we going to see other disciplines? Where are we going to see something beyond the Knights of Ren and the Jedi and the Sith? 
Well, I'd I really think, be interested in seeing what that Church of the Force is that that Laura Santec is supposed to be a part of. Yeah, I think they I, might touch on that in Rogue One. It, it almost seems like the the blind uh, yeah, Donnie you know, Yen's character. Yeah, is, yeah, he's a believer in the Force, and I guess that by that point it would be you'd be one of those people that would be on the fringe of society. You haven't seen Jedi in twenty years, you know. Yeah. You can start controlling the the narrative and saying, "Oh no, there's no Jedi." I mean, come on. So it only. Be- I, I think they're gonna have to like alter, like add and alter it to it, or else it's just gonna you're just gonna be doing cycles of three movies that repeat themselves over and over again. You know. Yeah, I, I have to throw some ideas. Well, one thing we have to see is what is after Return of the Jedi. What is a Jedi, and how does Luke define that? It, it would be up to him at that point to right. he would ostensibly be creating an, if he was creating a new Jedi order and creating well, they'd say training new Jedi it would be he would only be able to teach from his experiences with the force and what he went through so it would be right. very different than what the Jedi from thousands of years ago would be like right and would, one, and I wonder what does he actually know about what the Jedi were really like yeah I mean uh, we don't we, he depends. only knows what Yoda and, and Obi-Wan and, it, and Anakin and the Emperor have told him and I think well, they well, try to teach him a depends, pure, you know. It depends they, they on how much to he teach can... him a less dogmatic version of it. Which, well, it also depends on how much Luke's been talking to them Force ghosts in the meantime on top of his island. There, you know, if I mean, they, it, Episode One was definitely going towards that, like, hey, Yoda, going, hey, I've I can talk to my old master, you know, you you or your, your old master, you know, I'll teach you how to do it too. You know, in those days, that was Yoda figuring out how to counsel Jedi from beyond the grave. But and and Luke is obviously able to do that because he's doing it from Empire on. Right. Twenty years down, twenty thirty years down the line, that Luke yeah, Skywalker yeah. might have been hanging out with Yoda's dad and Qui Gon and Obi Wan. But I think they make the point of that is that's something that had to be had to be learned, and not many were going to be able to do it. You know, right. uh, so, Luke was able to do it. Luke was talking to, to no, the dead, the dead people coming back. Right. Obi Wan could have could have taught Luke how to communicate. Oh, that's true. Yep. Right. It, but, because we didn't see it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And and I mean, there's been many occasions of hearing, you know, when when Anakin was having nightmare nightmares or killing sand people, you would hear Qui Gon yelling, you know, Anakin, no, and Luke was Luke was having Obi Wan do the schizophrenic thing, you know, f- from the Death Star on, yeah. and telling him to go to Dagobah and stuff. So it's also, I guess it's also possible that Obi Wan was able to t- reach to Luke, whether right. Luke knew he was able. Because if you watch the three movies, the more powerful Luke became, the clearer he was able to see Obi Wan. Right, right, mm-hmm. and until you know, and from from when Obi Wan would just become like a voice that you. You know, like a radio. He's just t- tuning him in like a like a crystal radio at first, and then all of a sudden you're on a hi-fi, and you can tune him right in, and there he is with his full little blue halo. And all right, all right. look, look, look right. what Obi Wan looked like on Hoth versus what he looked like in Dagobah. Right. Yeah, but it right. seems like the, the the contact is chosen by the the dead Jedi. Luke doesn't choose to talk to 
uh, Obi Wan. It's Obi Wan decides to communicate with Luke. So yeah. it may be one way. You, he may not. He may not be able to unless he can maybe calm his mind and, and, and right, maybe right. Uh, Obi Wan can him. call. But then theor- theoretically, right. if they can only show themselves to Anakin, then they can just start showing themselves to him and telling him how to to communicate with them. If they ever get that Obi Wan spinoff off the ground, they need to get Liam Neeson back to actually give something regarding that 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 what we got in revenge we really of the needed Sith that was, in episode three it, yeah if yeah. even if, if it was just a voiceover anything one line even one line from qui-gon disembodied would would have been enough but if they do get that you know him hanging out on the tatooine for 20 years yeah. waiting for luke to grow up that is they need to get they need to back up the money truck <laughs> and say hey uh, liam we need you for one day I have a particular set of read skills. This. I have a particular set of skills. Four taken movies now, isn't he? <laughs> is, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, is he hostile towards doing Star Wars movies? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he had a bad experience doing it, but it's one of those things where, like with Harrison Ford, back up the money truck. Say after we got two pages of dialogue for you. Yeah. You don't even need to be on the set. <laughs> we can film yeah. you on a blue screen. Well, uh, away from motorcycles. In the meantime, that's I think that's what screwed up Episode Three. He had a motorcycle crash. He was supposed to come in and film, from what I read. Yeah, there was stuff scripted, accident. I believe. And I and think then, it's in the novelization, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So, I don't know why they couldn't just change that to a short... Voiceover? Voiceover, and Yoda was... Because clearly that scene where I think it's Bail Organa walks in on Yoda, that was when he was talking to Qui-Gon. He opens his eyes from talking to Qui-Gon. Hmm. Yeah, they, they, they need, we need closure on that. <laughs> we need us. Yeah, because well, the scene between Yoda and Yoda telling, it's like, show, don't tell. Exactly. And all we got was kind of Yoda telling Obi-Wan. And the only hint that we had of it was very quickly in episode two when Anakin was killing the sand people. Yeah. If you blink, you missed it. Yeah. How do you blink with your ears? Carefully. Yeah, you can do it. Trust me. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you guys have really torn apart pretty much all the things that I wanted to cover here. Does anybody have anything else they want to bring up or another wrinkle that we hadn't thought of? Anybody have any predictions of in episode eight, what kind of force stuff we're going to see? I think it's going to be all upended, man. I think we didn't really cover what, what Snoke is. As far as the force goes, I'm content to just let that play out, man. I don't know what it's uh-huh. going to be. I don't know if there's going to be some sinister reveal. I don't know if we're going to get a backstory. I, you know, like um, was who was it that says that? Um, you know, the ages change, but evil stays the same. First, it was the Sith, then it was the Empire. Now it's the First Order. It's going to be the same thing with anybody that wants to do evil, whether they have the right. Force or not. Right. Um, and I think, but it's I think that Snoke is very, very much like that really fearsome demon in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that they kept hearing about, and then finally, when he comes out, he's six inches tall. I think that would be a hoot. I don't know if they'll do that, <laughs> but it would be a hoot. I have a feeling they might. I don't know. It's just <laughs> I don't think it's Mace Windu. I well, he had it's... a he was presented with a very Wizard of Oz style. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, I got a question for the group. What do you feel was uh, Palpatine's ultimate goal? I mean, obviously it was to rule the the galaxy, but. Did he want to reestablish the Sith, or was he simply using the Sith as a means to 
control the galaxy and he wasn't necessarily going once he had control he wasn't necessarily going to continue to train or oh, I, yeah i don't think that was the, i think once he got to the position of ultimate power when i have the ruling hand over the galaxy and i can mold it in my image right i am the only power in the galaxy and yeah, then i right. think his goal would have been what the usual goal would be was to live forever yeah, to, yeah. So with, with, with the jedi there if he was to try to experiment in the ways that the Sith would do to find the way to live forever or whatever, he'd be tipping his hand and he'd be seen by, by the Jedi, by everyone. So by wiping the Jedi out, by getting rid of all that, putting himself in that place of power, he has then the ability to explore anything as far as the dark side goes and not have anybody yep. there to sit there and put him in check. Yep. And I mean, and everything he's doing, he's also doing in secret because... I don't know if any of you guys read the, I think it was the Lords of the Sith novel in the new canon. No. The galaxy at large did not know Palpatine's true nature. Mm -hmm. so, so they, like he and Vader were attacked and Palpatine would have to kind of act meek to hide the fact that he was a Sith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, once he well, took he over, he right was still Palpatine. After, yeah, right after he gets attacked, he says, look, my, my encounter with the Jedi left me yeah. scarred. No, I mean, it's exactly, it's like, it's basically, it's George Lucas telling us, trying to tell us about the lizard people in our own government. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you people understand anything? Don't you see? <laughs> it's the same. And they have to keep on coming. <laughs> I've just got a notification from Homeland Security. We need to shut this broadcast down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Imperial Guard. <laughs> no, but, you know, the thing the is... The glass is on. The, the mystery of Snoke <laughs> is going to be that mystery that, that everybody's going to be talking about uh, until they give us something, a new, no, there is another, or... Who raised right. the Snoke is the. I think those strength. bombs are getting dropped in Episode Eight. They they yeah, have they to. Do. The tease in Force Awakens is great. I had no problem with it, but now you got to deliver. You, yeah, you no, have to. Episode Eight's got to be like Episode Eight. Things get complicated. Yeah. It has to be the. It has to be their version of Empire. I think you have to tear everything down. You're gonna get one and, one half answer, okay? And that's only probably gonna be about Ray, not about Snoke. That's a great reveal for episode nine. Right. Yes, I agree with right. that. Yeah, you're being someone's we're, father. We're going to find out something about Luke and Ray, and we're probably going to get. I don't know if we'll, uh, if they'll they'll take out Luke and eight, but uh, you know, I mean, we're getting the last run of Luke Skywalker, and I don't think so. Don't do that to me. I just just lost Han. I can't lose Luke too. Yes, I, I don't think yeah. we're losing Luke. I think if anybody keeps returning, it's going to be Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there, there, there. Also, it seems like Disney's been floating out some, uh, like, trying to see what people feel, how people feel about, like, what if ap after Episode Nine, there's no more numbered Star Wars movies. I don't think that's okay. going to happen. You're going to no. always have that Roman numerals going yeah. for the yeah. songs. Yeah. It depends on how these, these. You have your main story, and then you have your side stories. I agree. I think the core the core storyline is going to continue to be numbered, and all the rest will be Star Wars. They might give us a couple year break and just do some standalones. Yeah. See, I'm, right. I'm telling you. As long as Disney is making a billion bucks a movie, I, yeah. But I'm be... telling you, you start doing standalones, and if you keep the quality of the standalones up, 
eventually you're gonna get a standalone that you're like, oh my god, this cast and the right this this one made so much money and was so good, and all of a sudden you might have a new Star Wars franchise and 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 you know major arc that you could follow that would be just as compelling as the Skywalker family. That's what I'm wondering. What if what if Rogue One makes two billion bucks? How, oh, how you I think, think Rogue. I think people are. I think Rogue One's gonna blow it up, dude. You uh, have uh, Forrest Whitaker and Donnie Yen. Like you I have know. no idea how excited I am by that. <laughs> I, I know you are, but I, I think that there is, uh, a, you know, for the the average person out there that just goes to see the Star Wars movies, they're looking at this and they're going, "Wait a second, But they already blew that up. Did they make another, a third one, a fourth one? You know? So far, what we're seeing out of standalone movies, they're not. They're just backstory. They're not advancing the story in any way. Yeah, they're just showing us cool shit. Now, they're, they're kind of retroactively adding some meat to the story. This reminds know. me of what clone the precedent Clone Wars and and Rebels have set. Yeah, of like biting off other genres, and this is their saving prior of it. Ryan, World War Two, storming the beach in Normandy. Yeah, your um, Magnificent Seven is it Magnificent Seven? Yeah, you know t- type of story. You know, it's this is a it's just a Star Wars story set in a genre. In genre terms, and what will make it good is if it looks awesome and if it has a compelling cast. If the cast are great and you care about whether they live or die, that's it, you know. And you keep it moving, and it's it's set piece after set piece. It, it'll it will just like draw money in like a black hole, you know. Okay. Yeah, but there's also a limit to what you can do with that. It's like if it's going to be, uh, you know, Joe Schmo who is racing in pod races, and it's you know you're making a racing movie about Star Wars. <laughs> right. Mister, I don't think anybody's yeah. going. Mister, the Fast and Furious. You never racing. know, though. You never know. You could you could do that. You know the the you could do yeah. You you could totally do that. You could you could do you you know what I mean. You could do an Obi Wan standalone that could basically be a western. Yeah, set on sure that's what we're gonna end up getting. I guarantee right. if they do that, it's gonna be like a Kurosawa, yeah. uh, you know, one man against a town, yeah. spaghetti now, western slash. I mean, they've done Godzilla different. movies in Clone Wars. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Chris, let me ask you this: Which would you prefer to see here? One, one of two options, okay? Two separate movies, one movie called Jedi, the other called Sith, and it just shows someone strong with the Force taken when they're young and brought up into either order, or crammed together as one movie, see it half and half. Ooh, Brothers, take my separated. money now. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what about, what about as like a Netflix series with alternating episodes? And oh, with yeah, the final be episode being the two of them going up against each other? We're going up against each other, where their storylines finally, you know, yeah, intersect and and meet. Yeah, I would love I, to see them do, you know, rejuvenate the older public a little bit, maybe on a Netflix thing. I, think that I would don't be, want to go back there. No, I, I mean, I would, no. I, I would prefer, I would prefer as a, a Jedi movie and a Sith movie because then you would have two movies yeah. <laughs> instead of one. So two Star Wars movies are always better than one Star Wars movie. And then the third movie in the trilogy would be the final battle. Well, I want to see the Jedi-Sith version of Face Off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That would be sweet. You know Nicolas Cage would be in a Star Wars movie. If oh, yeah. I would, I, and look, it people would going to laugh at that. Him. I think that would be amazing. He might pay them to be in one. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
started trending now. <laughs> if, if he was going to play anything, it would be the insane Jedi and the Timothy Zahn throng. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be, he could work And he gets, to, he gets to wear his wig from uh, Con Air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put the bunny back in the box. And then, oh, uh, man, yeah. Steve All right, Nick, Nick Cage and Star Wars, let's do this. Well, yeah, as long as Steve Buscemi gets to come along as a crazy droid sidekick. Oh, my God. Wouldn't he be amazing as a droid voice? Hey, we, we've got Wash, and, you know, as the droid in Rogue One. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. He's so processed, I couldn't even tell it was him. Yeah. Who is it? Uh, the Alan, Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk, yeah. Played Wash on Firefly. Oh, okay. I like yeah. it when the streams get crossed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so have we addressed everything here, or we got you guys got miles more to talk about? I know there is more to talk yeah. about. So you, I think we need to wait for more revelations from the next saga story. Okay, well, I just I, I'm not a fan of I don't know I, I I love I didn't think I would like Clone Wars, but it kind of retroactively made the prequels better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I, I love the different explorations of it, and I just. I don't know, just kind of my predictions about it, and I, and I think that, and I said I, I really think that the Force is not supposed to be pigeonholed or, you know. How can, how can it, like, any, like anything, even if you get Buddhists and, and have them explain Buddhism or their, or people who do transcendental meditation, they're all going to tell you slightly different yeah. stories or even radically different stories. So by I perception. Mean, so having the Force go all over the place is... It, it, it works for me, you know, right. having it, it and even having it have contradictions and things that sound even kind of s- stupid. <laughs> it works for me in a sort of all possibilities sort of way. Well, I think it's more interesting when it's not strictly strictly black and white. When there there are, of course, shades of gray. Uh, when you know, with force sensitives or people that are using it, so that's not just good versus evil. There's a little bit but, of and it also it also sort of gives you a little more tension as to whether you know the good guys are all going to win or you know the good guys are always going to win. Uh, <laughs> you know they're going to win. So it's it's a back and forth with it. So you know you can almost boil down the problems with the Jedi in the prequel era to one line: only a Sith deals in absolutes, which is an right, absolute. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just shows the contradiction of the Jedi right there. Better than anything else could. That's probably. what I'm yeah. saying. I think for both groups, less dogma is better. It, basically, yeah. he was saying, yeah, we're both assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we're all just making this up as we go along. No one actually understands this shit. Yeah. And probably made up midichlorians just because it would be a human-type solution to such things, you know. Yeah, well, I think... Well, yeah, I mean, we quantify our... our I, we quantify has anybody our read the Madeline like Engel, um, um, A Wrinkle in Time, A Wind in the Door... A long yeah. time ago. I think A Wind in the Door, the second one, actually had the kid, the, the little bra- Charles Wallace, the little brainy kid, yeah. actually was sick, and they had to go get his, midichlor- his, his mitochondria working again. Yeah. And uh, he had to actually, like, you know, go it down into his cells, and they were actually, the, the, his mitochondria were conscious. Mm-hmm. And he actually had to communicate with them in order to make himself well again. That's and I will, that. <laughs> I will bet my bottom dollar that George Lucas read yeah. that book yeah. or read it to his kids 
and was like, huh, mitochondria, and looked them up and like, oh, they're a real part of the cell. And like, and that's where, as soon as I heard midichlorians, high midichlorian count, it immediately brought me back to like the Madeline Langle book. And I was like, he had, that had to be a, maybe not even a reference to it, but maybe even kind of a swipe from it, you know, but. Oh, yeah. So that that George really Lucas sort of biased greatest, how I greatest think, hits, you know, artist in the world. <laughs> I, well, that, I just thought he went to Ron Moore, someone from the uh, Star Trek writers group, and said, "Hey, I need some techno babble here for this. What, what do you want to call yeah. this?" Right. Well, See, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a problem with the midichlorians kind of in and of themselves. You know, okay, I'll be able to wrap my brain around this. Fine, okay, more midichlorians, more force, more force sensitivity, more potential to be a powerful Jedi. Fine. It was when Qui-Gon tried to explain it to Anakin that I thought the midichlorians concept went off the rails. When Anakin asked the question, he's basically reciting dogma. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, though, when you go to episode four, Anakin is all about the religion of the Force, not the, not the, the science of it. Well, I don't, he may be or he may not be. He might just be using that as a way to be scarier. Yeah. At that point, because I also think that, um, you know, the the emperor also, you know, jiggered into into being Anakin being getting his legs cut off and burnt up and completely, you you know, weakened. Basically, he's got an arm lopped off, two legs at the knees and he's been burnt and. So there's a lot of midichlorians gone from his body. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to remember, too, between episodes three and four, there's 20 years of Palpatine brainwashing in there, too. Yeah. Right, right. And working, and using, working someone who was line. broken. He'd already broken him, and then he was working him. Right. And so so he'd, he couldn't have Anakin at his side with the amount of power that Anakin had. So he's got a, a a lesser beaten down Anakin, an injured one. Yeah. So so that's why Darth Vader can't do five hundred foot parkour parkour leaps like he used to, and right. and tell the future like he he used to, and sword fight like he used to. He's he's diminished quite a lot, and he's still very powerful. So if they had just saved his brain and put it within a robotic body, you're saying he wouldn't have any force sensitivity at all. He, he just has a lot less. He's got like he's still got like his chest cavity, you know. I mean, if you're gonna talk midichlorians, it probably just comes to the amount of they're in your blood, so it's the amount of blood well, that you have. There's there's other factors too. You remember he had both hands lopped off, one in Attack right. of the Clones, one in, in, in Revenge of the Sith, and as a result, he couldn't fire both the, legs in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, too. right, and right. But, both legs. but he couldn't fire the bolts from his hands. Like, 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 you know, uh, Dooku or Palpatine. Right. And that's do more likely yeah, do because... The, do, those, do those have to pass through something organic? Well, I, I think I'm, the, I'm me- really so. the metal of the, you know, whatever they did for the robotic hands is probably the reason why they, he couldn't do that. Well, probably all that, that metal grounded him, he couldn't do it. Yeah, there you go. It is electric. You know. he, really could end up, he would end up frizzling himself because it would probably just like... <laughs> oh, nothing on nothing you know, beats a good frizzling just, of yourself. Hey, yeah. so, somebody go hit the reboot button on Vader's suit. He's knocked himself out again. 
<laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing him like open his visor in Rogue One and blasting someone like through the eyes like freaking Cyclops. That'd that be- would be cool. <laughs> you know what? I'm cool with that too. <laughs> you think they would have done that on uh, Star Wars Rebels when uh, Soka knocked his helmet? That was awesome. Yeah. I need. I, I'm behind a couple episodes oh, of that. Good. I have to catch up I tonight. I thought you were. I thought you were caught up to that. Yeah, that was the end of season two. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, no, I'm. I, I, I know that just reminded me. I've that I've got a couple episodes of Rebels to watch. I'd totally forgotten, and I got the last episode of Ash versus Evil Dead to watch too. So, oh, yeah. what? what? Oh, I, just I just started. No, I just started watching it, Chris. What do you think of it? That's a gap. In Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Oh my god. Brilliant. That's a roller coaster that's, that's ride. Are you kidding me? It's the that's the, the dessert the, at the end of the week. The mm-hmm. nectar mm-hmm. of the. It's the nectar of the gods. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things. Ever, it might be better than the movies. I don't know. It's 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 condensed and concentrated Bruce Campbell, and it's actually written well. And that morgue scene, I was love it. So I love it. At least up. fucking majors. The morgue, the morgue scene is the most inspired lunacy I've seen yes. in Pretty years. Much ever. It goes yeah. beyond anything in any. Everybody like sort of like any complaints of like Army of Darkness as it was walked back from an R rating. And any of those, anybody who has any complaints about the about Ash versus Evil Dead being yeah. walked back for TV, got oh, no. their face no, slapped it's the, off. It's the Army of Darkness Ash in the Evil Dead Two world. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and yeah, uh, a, a bigger blood by, budget. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bigger blood bu- budget. Big, I mean, better, better. I mean, they're going back into the seventies. To where swearing is really an art form, and they're doing that just and and ashes of that time period. So you're getting creative swearing and horrible horrible political incorrectness spewing from ash every ash is stuck at second. seventeen years old and, in the seventies. In the seventies, so all the things that he thinks are appropriate are completely like stuff that nobody's even putting on TV. Yeah. Nowadays, in in terms of profanity, political incorrectness, gore, I mean, yeah, the the that, that morgue scene crosses lines <laughs> that I, I never could have hoped would have been crossed. <laughs> yeah. That I've hoped and always hoped and prayed for, and never even knew that I wanted, and there it was. Yeah. So I yeah I couldn't I couldn't be happier, and I love that. That's another one that they're sort of. Uh, Ah, let's do a different genre this week, you yeah, know, yeah. and and we'll we'll do a different flavor. We'll do one flew over the cuckoo's flew this over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. Well, I think we and it has a puppet. <laughs> uh, yeah. As yeah. soon as they get a talk, if they get a talking dog, my head and balls might explode. <laughs> <had> a talking <laughs> lizard. <laughs> they did have a talking lizard, but it's not a talking dog. <laughs> yeah. So thumbs up on. <laughs> <laughs> Ashford's evil dead. I'm very, I'm very happy with like, just the general, you know, rebels and Ash versus Evil Dead. It seems like a lot of the class. It's, it's really hard to revive classic things like that, you know, and and have it st- even be a shadow of its former glory. You know, it's like watching James Bond. 70 years old or whatever you know yeah. or, 
Well, I, say, I will say this: Bruce Campbell slipped right back into character. I mean, no, first, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're watching it, and you're like, oh my god, this is Ash at the top of his game. Uh-huh. This is actually written better than than Evil Dead <laughs> and Army of Darkness, and it's 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 not Bruce Campbell going through the motions of being Ash, and it's not somebody like going like, all right, let's see how if we can figure out how to write this character. Oh no, <laughs> it's done. With, you know, to see to to live it right now where I had Mad Max put back up on the screen and 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 the Evil Dead world put up on the screen and Star Wars back up on the screen and. Uh, you know, crossing my fingers for Star Trek, yeah. but genre genre life is fucking good, man. Have you been oh, watching yeah. Westworld? Not I have heard yet. amazing I stuff. I, I am loving every minute of it. It is kind of a slow burn, but it is, it is blowing yeah. my mind at the end of every. I episode. like slow burns. Just it's better if you wait and binge watch it though, because it is fucking maddening getting to that next episode or waiting for that next episode. Oh, that, that, that winds it right up to the to the at the till the end of each ep, like uh, Breaking Bad style, where you know. Yeah, it's just I mean it's you know it's lost type mystery boxes, which scares yeah. the fuck out of me because J.J. Abrams is involved. But. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, I have to get off J.J. Abrams for a second. Um, how awesome is the fact that that cast of Star Trek Discovery that they've announced so far is not like people in their 20s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I am so stoked. Right, we should probably close out the Star Wars well, thing for the poor editor that has to do this, and then we can talk other stuff. And scene. <laughs> as as editors had to deal with stuff like this before. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I definitely, I, I'm going to have to roll off anyway soon here. But I uh, really appreciate everybody getting on there. Mike Zomo, uh, Scott McGregor, Chris Tyler, Tim Elliott, and Pete Hesch. Um, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ratnick. No. Uh, Chris Honeywell. I don't know about the force. <laughs> <laughs> the force of a beer shot gunning down your throat. Force yeah. right in there. About four quarts yeah. of vodka down my throat this morning. Now, now Chris, i got to ask you, uh, when it comes to Pete Hesch... Yes. Uh, you know, the thing is, the way you described him in the storytellers, um, you know, completely I completely accurate. I know, but I, I actually got a, a vision in my head of a particular actor. And I'm trying oh. to remember his name, but he was in the movie 10 with Dudley Moore. He was the neighbor across the way. Don Calfa. Don Calfa. Don Calfa. That's his name. Oh, my God. You know, I have to look that up now. Hold on. Kinda. I picture him right now with the blonde hair from uh, Return of the Living Dead. And he was also... Well, he here's was also... one of the scariest things is it wasn't an actor, but in Rolling Stone they did a light, like lifestyle report, and there was this guy that embodied the lifestyle, and uh, and you could say this guy was sort of like a prototype maybe for the dude from Big Lebowski, <laughs> but they called... This type of person, a Hesher. <laughs> and the guy looked like Pete Hesh. He had the long... We're, we're talking mullet with with um, bowl cut in the front and big gut. Uh, no, the, the no teeth is, is, is a big 
component in it. <laughs> but he basically he looked like your basic roadie or what you would picture <laughs> yeah. a roadie to look like. Or if you've ever read Mickey Rat comics, he's a bit like Mickey Rat. Yes, <laughs> he is. But that guy, that guy, if you mess that guy up a little bit, he could definitely do a hesh. I'm trying to think of who else could do that. Uh, um, not Will Ferrell, but the the guy, the other guy who was in what was it, Step Brothers? Oh yeah, John, oh, John, John Riley. Yes, yes, yeah. John C. Riley could do could probably if if you like made him spend a day and night, Whoa. he could probably go on Crash. screen and do do a damn good catch. Who's eating their microphone? <laughs> Holy cow, did somebody uh, take a tumble? I'll have to send you the video for Tina takes a tumble. Or Rose takes a tumble. <laughs> you ever see that one? Yeah, but if you... Oh, pretty soon, Dario, I wanna, I, I'm want i going to try to rope Dario into doing the Porn and Food podcast. All right. Talking about for years. So we'll be asking you guys for to point us... Porn and the, food. <laughs> what's, what's the format going to be, Chris? you going to fix a meal and watch a movie? Yeah, well... Yeah, more that could be an episode. Half of it, the first half of it's going to involve food, and the second half of it will involve will will be about porn. Well, you mesh the two, you know, see what what meal pairs best with like bukkake. We'll find a we'll find uh, a way to, we'll find a way to connect the two things. Yeah, there'll definitely be a connecting thread between both. Both sides of it, whether it's God, a, a it similarity or a contrast. You, you can call it porn and palate. There we go. We were thinking food porn might be be a title for it, and there isn't actually not a podcast called food porn yet. But and that would be so mistaken by so many. There will people be as soon as someone food. listens to this, though. <laughs> Maybe we should edit that out for tutor freak. No, that just that just means that just is is starting the TikTok going for Daria and I to get our asses in gear. So, thanks again for joining us on this relaunch of Mindless Drivel. We have lots more coming to you. Uh, you can email me at mindlessdrivel at yahoo.com if you want to suggest some shows or sign up to be a guest or yell at me or send pictures, whatever you want to do. Naked pictures. Whatever. Uh, we're easy. Um, just be attractive and female, preferably. <laughs> I'd like to thank my co-host tonight, Mike Zumo, Brian Hughes, for putting this together. Brian, thank you. My pleasure. Christopher Tyler, Tim Elliott, and Chris Honeywell. And stay tuned. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Click that fucking Amazon link. we got to buy a better <laughs> server or something. <laughs> the Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. I'll never turn to the dark side. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. That boy is our last hope. No. There is an after. I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all of your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. I felt a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I'm not afraid. 